Hello, welcome to He's Hot But Something's Off with me, just Joey T. I just bought stamps. It was the most difficult thing I bought in a while. I think it was more difficult for me to buy stamps than to buy the car. I'm switching cars. The new car is coming in a couple of weeks. The old one's gone. But yeah, I didn't know where to buy stamps. And I was just chatting with my friend randomly. He's asking, why are you buying stamps? So there's some government thing where I need to mail a form in. And the only way they will take the form is snail mail. And I can't remember the last time I snail mailed anything. It's to the point where I didn't even know I had to look up where you buy stamps, what kind of stamps you're supposed to buy. I had to buy envelopes because I have no envelopes. Um, I do have a printer. So I was able to print the form, fill everything out. And I was reading the instructions and it says it's going to take 180, it could take up to 180 days for them to process the thing I need them to process. But so weird when I got the citizenship, uh, when I did the citizenship application, I went on site for the interview. I thought it's the government is going to be not the most efficient or the fastest. And somehow in that one day I was a citizen after like two hours there, which is like very fast. It was way faster than I expected. And then this other random thing, snail mail, it might take six months. I don't know. So anyways, um, <laughs> I don't know where to, I have the stamps. I went and got it today. They sell stamps at CVS apparently. Great. Got some stamps and I've got the envelopes and uh, the letters are all done. I don't know where to like drop off snail mail. They're mailboxes, I think, where you can drop them off, but I'm, I don't trust it because I don't do this really. Does it go in any random mailbox? I had this random thought that do people vandalize the mail in the mailboxes? What if someone just walks by and just pours a cola into the mailbox that's on the sidewalk? Does it just destroy all the mail? Because stuff gets like vandalized. It was just like sitting on a sidewalk on the street or whatever, right? So, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go Google later. How do you mail something? Once you have to stamp, like what are good and bad places to drop off an envelope? If you're a Gen Z or millennial listening to this, maybe you can identify. Otherwise, I'm sure there are people out there that are like, girl, how can you not know how to mail a letter? But everything is so electronic these days. Literally, I can't remember the last time I mailed anything. It would have been like many, several, could have been 10 years ago. Something like that. I just don't know how to do these things anymore. It's not like they teach you in school. So I had to look up in Google everything about how to mail a letter. So that was great. I was at the CVS just now on the way home from the gym to buy stamps. It was easy, but usually when I go to any sort of store, I will prefer stores where you have uh, you don't have to talk to anyone to get what you need and to uh, check out your items. So a lot of stores now, they have self-checkout. You don't have a cashier ringing up your stuff. You scan your own items. It's all electronic. It's a machine. It's a kiosk. You know, and then you're off. So I highly prefer that. Um, but for this, for the stamps, I had to talk to someone because the stamps are kept with the cashiers, like the people that work the cashier desk. And it wasn't that busy at the CVS. But there was this one person, this random guy, and the cashier who was 
a woman, and it's pretty quiet in the CVS. I was the only person in line, so this guy in front of me he has just gotten there, and he's got headphones on. He's got headphones on like how I headphones on right up there. Over ear headphones is on one of its ear, and it's not on the other one. Like how I um, for my left ear, I pull the uh, my my headset back. Um, he was wearing it exactly the same way these over ear headphones, and as he was walking up to the cashier, he was talking. And I had just gone there, so I don't know, like, is he on the phone? Is his friend around the corner? Is he talking to the cashier? And ends up, he was talking to the cashier, and he looked straight, i.e. my gaydar didn't go off. But anyways, and I guess it's not that uncommon. It's not that uncommon for people to make small talk with a cashier or whoever's on the other side of a counter that's ringing up their stuff. So this guy, I don't know. I never do this, but I don't want to make small talk. I just, I'm, I'll be very nice and polite and everything. I don't want to make small talk, ring my shit up, and I want to get out of here. But this guy was making small talk with the girl, and I can't tell. This is how you know I'm really gay. I don't know if he was, like, flirting with the girl or he's just being nice. When I got up to, after he was done and I was talking to the chick that was the cashier, she didn't seem like the type of person that, she wasn't rude, she was like friendly, but she wasn't, try, she didn't seem like she was trying to make conversation with anyone. Very nice, very pleasant, very professional, um, no complaints, but she, sometimes you can tell when someone's chatty. I've been at, I've had times where I'm going through a checkout for some reason or rather, or in like an Uber, and you can tell when someone is open to small talk and also obviously when they try to initiate small talk she did not seem like that kind of person when i got up there so i'm thinking was he just hitting on her which i don't i make it a point not to hit on anyone who's working like doesn't matter if it's the gym or whoever how hot they are like they're working there they're not there for you to hit on well at least not when you're a cashier at the cvs so I was just waiting. I was killing time on my phone. But this guy was just making the smallest of small talks. They're, they're talking something about, I think, the weather in California versus Idaho or something. And I think they were talking about, he was asking about where she was from or where he, something like that. I don't know. And I'm just thinking, is this how straight people hit on each other? This how, that's what I meant by this is how gay I am. I don't know how straight people interact with each other to like flirt or to like hit on someone in gay world. Actually, I don't even know. I don't even know how gays hit on each other. I think in an every, in an everyday situation with the gays, let's say I'm at a restaurant or something. Gays will give each other the look. And when someone's properly checking you out, you can tell. I think I do this thing where if I'm checking someone out, when I'm out and about, I usually am too shy or nervous or afraid or whatever for them to want to know that I'm checking them out. So I'll like try to sneak looks at someone. You, you, we've all done it. I've been at lunch or brunch or dinner or whatever with my friends. We sit down in a restaurant and then one of my friends will see some hot guy in the restaurant and they'll say, oh, check out that guy over there. But like, don't look because we never want 
that person to know that we're looking at them because it feels gross for whatever reason. Um, but when when the gays are checking each other out, you can tell. I just don't know how it works for straight people. For me, eye contact it's it's the first thing uh, that I notice. If you want to hit on someone, I mean, you can always walk up to the, to a person, but not in a restaurant, in a bar or something, right? I don't hit on people very much. There's not usually that many people I want to hit on. When, you, when you're at a club or a party or, like, the gay cruise I was just on, that's a very different environment. It's a lot easier to, like, walk up to someone. Okay. I do have a lot of... I have tricks for not wanting to be hit on. I have a lot of tricks for... Post, like for for how to signal to someone that I'm not interested without having to say no in like um, a dance floor, a club, a party uh, type situation, and I, I think these are useful for straight people too. But uh, in a party, for example, uh, sometimes people might come up to you and they'll make small talk or whatever. The standard thing is to just not. Um, I don't want to ask questions back. I already don't like small talk, but if you're talking to someone and they're like one word answers and they're not answer, they're not asking you questions back. It's just not that into you, to be completely honest. But <laughs> if you all want, if you all want tips on how to be standoffish, I think I could do that. I've had, I have some friends that when they first met me for the first time in a party situation, for whatever reason. And I believe it. I don't doubt them at all. I just give off this standoffish stance. But now that they know me, they're like, oh, yeah, you're actually, like, cool now that I know you were friends and we can, like, talk and chat and hang out or whatever. But, yeah. Um, the other thing I was thinking about when I was in line was I, I, stop talking. I need to do something. I need to buy my stamps and get the hell out of here. I'm not really a very patient person. I don't like waiting in line. And I, at the CVS, I was literally waiting in line not that long, 60 seconds. But if you are standing in line at the cashier and you're counting one, two, three, 60 seconds feels like a long time when you've got nothing else to do. So in my head, I was thinking, it, 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 two things I was thinking. One, I was, is he trying to hit on her? It's kind of gross if it is. And the second thing is, hurry the fuck up so I can get my sense and get the hell out of here because I wasn't, I wasn't trying to spend all day and he was in no rush was he was making the small talk, and I was thinking, get out so I can get my shit and I can get out. So, yeah, there you go. Um, I mentioned this before. I'm carless right now. I mentioned in the last episode, CarMax was about to come and take my car away. They took my car away. It was super easy. They had a check for me for the amount ready to go, and it was like the same as the, um, the price or whatever they offered online when I did the appointment. Yeah, so... That was really, really smooth. The only thing is, uh, I parked the car out on the curb, and it was 7 p.m. when they came, and it was uh, past sunset, but before dusk. So it was getting dark outside, but it wasn't dark yet, and it only took 15 minutes. It was really fast, but out on the curb in front of my apartment building, for whatever reason, there were a ton of mosquitoes that I wasn't aware of. There was a mosquito that was trapped in my car, from the day before I sold the car because I was clearing out all my personal belongings and everything uh, to prep it um, the day before. And I noticed there was a mosquito in the car and I couldn't find it for long enough to like kill it or shoo it out. So it bit me a couple of times when I was in the car for like 
literally a couple of minutes just to clear everything out of it. But the day that CarMax came, but the day that CarMax came, they, I was on the curb and she was doing all the paperwork. And I've done this thing before where like a company comes to you to buy your car. You have to sign a bunch of paperwork. It's pretty standard. It's pretty easy. It's not, that's not the problem. But while she was going through all the paperwork, the mosquitoes went to town. I was wearing shorts. I didn't know there were mosquitoes out there until we were standing by my car and she started going through the paperwork. And then my leg started itching like crazy. So I was standing there and I was listening to her and she was explaining everything. And I kept like leaning over and like kicking back one of my legs and like just scratch it. Afterwards, when I got back into the house, I kid you not, down the back of my right leg, there were a row of like seven bite marks. When a mosquito bites you, you get the little swelling, right? You get like the little hard spot. I got like seven of those, but they were all in a line down the back of my right leg above my ankles. So it was like seven mosquitoes were queuing and lining up to feast on my right leg one at a time. And they all picked a fresh spot to bite me on perfect line. Just like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, which is so it's hilarious and horrible at the same time. Thank God the swelling and the itching went away the next morning. I think they were all gone, but it would have been horrible if my leg was itchy for like days on end. That would have been like really, really bad. But anyways, I'm surprised that CarMax took the car for the price that they did. Uh, I can't, I didn't have time to sell the car myself. So I was glad that they just took it. Um, but I don't have the new car yet. And I need to do a few things that require driving. I've been getting groceries in little bits and pieces. I've been going to the Trader Joe's almost every day. This Trader Joe's where my gym is in West Hollywood. It's just downstairs. So I'm now getting used to stopping by the Trader Joe's most days after the gym to pick up not a lot of items, only a few items because it's a 20-minute walk from there back to the house and I didn't want to carry a whole ton of heavy groceries for that 20 minutes. So every day that I go to the gym, I pick up a few things at a time so that is not a lot to carry. But yeah, I do need to maybe rent a car for like a day or two before the new one comes. The new car doesn't come for a couple of weeks. You know, it's on a ship somewhere uh, to actually go run and do some chores and stuff. I need to apply for um, my passport now that I'm a citizen, but you have to do that in person if it's the first time you're applying for a passport. And none of those places are in walking distance. They're like at least like a mile and a half, two miles away or something. They actually do passports. I found them at the Beverly Hills Public Library. And I thought, oh, that must be a nice library. A library in the middle of Beverly Hills must be like a nice library, right? But they don't have appointments for you to do the passport there until January for some weird reason. I guess rich people don't go to a library to get their passport. They probably have some sort of special concierge passport service where people just renew the passwords for them and they don't need to like go anywhere or do anything themselves. I assume I don't know how super rich people work. Yeah, I got to go get my passport eventually. I also want to visit my friend who is a dermatologist down in Orange County. I want to get 
some prescription retinol for my face. You can't if you're watching the video version of this podcast, which is available on my YouTube channel, just Joey T, and also on Spotify. I don't think it's a super high resin. It's not zoomed in, but I'm breaking out again, and I don't think it's the dairy. It might be the stress, and I think this um, throat infection, whatever sores thing that I have in my throat, I mentioned last episode, might be stress related as well, but. I have to go to the doctor tomorrow anyways for something else. Um, So I'm going to ask the doctor like, hey, do I need some antibiotics or something like that? Or yeah, so I'm going to have them uh, take a look at that. But I want to go to my friend who's a dermatologist. Um, He just got board certified. And it's always nice when you have a friend who is um, a doctor, a medical professional, and you can ask them for the medical advice. I feel like I've never had a a PCP, a primary care physician that I quite fully trust because I don't go to the doctor that often. I have to go every three months because I take prep, like the Descovy, and that's why I'm going tomorrow. Because once a year, they want you to have like a review of like you being a prep and ask you questions and do all this, blah, blah, blah. So you have to go with, for an actual visit. And that's what I'm doing tomorrow. Uh, but other than that, you go in every three months to get tested and do blood work, but you're not seeing the doctor, you're just doing the labs. So I don't see the doctor that much. I will go in for an annual exam because it's free and it's covered by insurance and that is kind of fun. And the annual prep office visit, that's what I'm doing tomorrow. But otherwise, I don't go to the doctor very much. And therefore, I don't really have a rapport with any with my primary care doctor, I guess if you're, if you see your doctor all the time, you build up the rapport, it's okay. Um, but yeah, so for my skin, at least I've been to some uh, bad, I don't know if I mentioned this. This is the 20th episode I just realized of the podcast. And I need to start writing down the topics I talk about because sometimes I don't know if I talk about something already or not. But anyways, I've been to some dermatologists for my acne and some of them are very, dismissive and they just kind of treat you like a number so to have a dermatologist in the area the oc is a little bit of drive but it's not that far that actually is someone i know and it's an actual friend that i actually trust is so much better than um just going to like a random dermatologist i was uh i was hanging over a friend recently a couple weeks ago and i had never noticed that he had like a mark or like a scar, or like something on his face. I guess the lighting where we're hanging out kind of made it more obvious. And he said, I've had it for a while. And I was talking to him about it. And he said it was this particular quote unquote dermatologist who apparently he said is actually not a dermatologist, but just does like Botox and procedures and stuff. And he mentioned the name of that person. I was like, oh, I used to go to that person for Botox before I decided to not get Botox this year to like save money. Yeah, because when he mentioned a name, this doctor, non-doctor person has like a slightly distinctive name and he like mentioned it just without thinking and it caught my ear and I was like, oh, is it like doctor or, or this and this? And then he's like, yeah, I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I won't go to that person anymore because apparently this person kind of sort of fucked in my friend's face, to, like after doing a some sort of procedure or whatever, I'm not going to name names on here because I don't know. U.S. legal litigiousness, whatever, but 
I was like, okay, well, I can't go to that person anymore. So it's really nice that um, I can have a friend that's a dermatologist and I go see him for that stuff. Once I get the car, then I'm going to make the drive uh, down there. Because, yeah, uh, I, I, you can tell. I, can, I don't know if you can tell in the video. I'm breaking up right now. It might be due to stress. And the stress I'm experiencing lately is about money, which is because it's self-inflicted, to be completely honest. I'm not blaming anyone for this. I've been on this career break for quite a long time now, and I think I've just gone super lazy. I think it's so easy for me to just wake up at 9 a.m., uh, have breakfast, take an hour to eat breakfast, and then watch some TV, and before you know it, oh, it's lunchtime, let's eat lunch, and then after I eat lunch, oh, it's time for the gym, let's go to the gym. When you go to the gym, it's 5 p.m., and that, that's like a whole day. It's so easy to do, and... Uh, I am trying to start up a business of my own. The thought of, it's a little weird. I was doing IT for my day job, and I like it. I think some parts of doing a corporate IT job that I don't like, it's not with the IT, the technical stuff. I think it really depends on the culture of the company, the people that I work with, Um. And that's where, that was the part that I didn't like. I didn't like my boss at my last job. And I didn't really like the people I was working with, the culture. I think I've dug into this on like the first or second episode of the podcast. I dug into this. So feel free to rewind and go, you know, hit up that stuff. Yeah, so I, I want to start up my own business. But I think I know so little about starting with business that is a little bit kind of sort of that paralysis where, oh, you don't even know exactly what to do. So you just don't do anything. But um, the other part of it is just me getting lazy. So to have the motivation to just do something and just go do it, I think I overthink things quite a bit. So um, I've been luckily able the last few days to get myself to a mode where one step at a time don't think don't try to think five steps ahead because that's when I sabotage myself when I try to tackle something that I don't know I have to convince myself and remind myself when everyone starts a business and they've never done it before like obviously there are lots of things that they don't know doesn't mean you shouldn't try like just take baby steps so the last couple of days I've been writing out kind of the the brand vision for, you know, what the brand represents and what the brand's values are, doing a little bit of a write-up on what type of, uh, how we how the products and how the brand will fit into the market versus the competitors that are already in the marketplace and what type of um, uh, uh, demo uh, demographic, uh, is that the word? What type of people we would lightly target with our market positioning. And it's actually something very interesting for me to like think about in my head because part of the part of doing this exercise is where does the brand fit in in terms of what what new interesting things are you bringing to the market that's just not exactly what someone else is doing, right? Because I feel like if you're going to be selling a product or a service, what makes your product or service different differentiate it from what everyone else is doing, especially if it's a market where um, it's well-established and there are hundreds of other companies kind of sort of doing the same thing, maybe offering very similar products. You know, what? how are you going to differentiate yourself? What 
how, why should someone buy your product or service versus the same or very similar product and service from the hundred other companies that already exist in that space. And I believe I do have, you know, like a unique taken angle in terms of like the brand positioning and how we're going to market the products and like the target demographic that we're going to go after. So that part I'm actually quite excited about to have that um, uniqueness, that kind of value proposition that our brand has that, the vast majority of the existing other companies in that category in that industry do not have. So I think the, um, I just have to keep reminding myself, you know, yes, it's a business, but like, don't think so seriously about it and don't try to like think too many steps ahead. Just like get something done today. Just get one thing done today and just keep chipping away at it. I think it would be really awesome if I can get it to a point where I can start actually, I can have the product be ready to sell and stocked up with a fulfillment service by the end of the year or maybe like in January. And uh, I, I think it's going to take work to get there, but I'm just not trying to psych myself out. And uh, but I know I can just get in this mindset where like, oh my God, it's so much work my head then kind of shuts down and I end up sitting on the couch watching TV, not doing anything. So tiny little baby steps. And yeah, I will have to invest um, a amount of money that I'm going to pull from my investments and my savings. I mean, you have to spend some money to make some money. I don't think my business is going to turn any significant profit for like the first little bit. I kind of want to do this kind of soft launch where, okay, make the products, have the products like ready to go, have it be in the warehouses, have it be available online where people can buy it, kind of do like a soft launch because no one really know about it. And then when I get to that point, then I'm going to really have to learn and figure out how to really market the products. And I think that's the point. You've noticed that I have not mentioned what this product slash service is. Um, and that's intentional. I feel like I'm not ready to kind of reveal what I'm working on yet. But I think once we get to the point where we have sellable products and I know that, okay, this is like actually something I can offer and people can actually get, that's where I'm going to be more comfortable talking to you guys and actually, you know, saying out loud to people, hey, this is my company. This is my product. People can actually go buy it now. But um, yeah, the marketing part, I think, is where I'm careful not to psych myself out. I'm not good at marketing. And, you know, just starting my business, I don't really have that much money to hire someone. But I think I would rather kind of sort of do that. I'm probably going to go look for some marketing expertise a little later on once the product is ready to go. It's in the factories or it's in the Amazon. I don't know. I'll work out, I'm working on some of the fulfillment issues. Once the product's ready to go on sale, um, the marketing is really what's going to make it or break it. So it's kind of exciting and scary at the same time a little bit. But I'm kind of setting myself a goal, which feels like very, it feels very attainable and like very kind of impossible at the same time. I keep hearing this stat where what, only 20 to 30% of um uh, small like startup businesses actually succeed or I don't know what metric they're measuring success by but 
I'm determined not to get discouraged. I'm going to take it one day at a time and just at least do one thing every day. Um, yeah, until I kind of get this off the ground. And I'm also reminding myself, you know what? If you spend X amount of dollars, I'm not spending my life savings on it. I think I'm spending a sizable but a manageable chunk of my money to do this. And you know what? If I really don't want to do it, there's no shame in just shutting it down. I think there's part of me where like I don't like losing, and I, I mean a lot. You don't you don't set out to fail, right? You set out to be successful. You set out to win. You set out to get an A on that test. You set out to win first prize in the competition. So obviously, I'm setting out to be successful, but I also like the comfort of, you know what? You're starting a business for yourself, and give it give it the you know good old college try. Really try though, and if for whatever reason it's not successful, don't take it the wrong way. It's just not meant to be, and we can just cut our losses and move on. That provides me some sort of comfort. It's not like you know what if you if you do this and it fails, your life is ruined. You know, it, it's it's not that bad. Sometimes failure failure is not necessarily a bad thing. You know, as long as you learn from your mistakes and you kind of sort of grow and get something out of it. Um, I think that's fine. We all make mistakes and we all learn from them. So, yeah, it's something I'm going to work on. Uh, hopefully, by the end of the year or maybe in January, I've got something to announce. I'm really excited to be my own boss, actually. I don't even like that term, but I'm, I'm, if one day this company is successful enough to the point where I don't want to be like the next whatever super big brand in this industry, but successful enough where we can make good products and have new products come out and then also be able to hire people. Um, and that I think would be so cool to be able to run a company that where I've got other people working with me and run a workplace and run a company the way I would like to run it and not be working for someone else and have to abide by someone else's rules. One of the things I don't like with, oh my God, spill the tea, bitch. One of the things I don't like about some of the companies, not all of them, some of the companies I've worked for before that were like tech startup companies is that sometimes it feels like a cult. It just feels like the CEO is usually the founder of that company and they're still with that company for like smaller startups, like tech startups, right? And we heard this term like tech bros in Silicon Valley. Sometimes it feels like a cult when you work for some of these companies and kind of sort of on the surface or at first glance in when you're working as an employee of the company, it feels like the culture is like, oh, nice and fun and everything, which is like the typical Silicon Valley kind of company culture that all these tech startups um, aspire to, right? And then once in a while you get free food and it's more like lax and people need to dress in suits and kind of stuff, that kind of vibe. But the longer you work in some of those, sometimes it kind of feels like, because these companies usually are private companies and the co-founder is the CEO, the founders are the CEOs or like they're at the very top of the company, kind of feels like, a little bit of whatever they want is how everyone should act. And it, it, 
in a way, yeah, because they 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 own the company and they founded the company, so it's kind of sort of like it's hard to disagree with them. But there's this one company I work for, and I'm not going to mention the name, but where I was an IT person there, and we just needed some stands for the iPads. Every conference room had an iPad on the table so you can work the video conferencing system. And this particular CEO, first of all, he's a fucking asshole. Second of all, he didn't like the stands I picked for the iPads. And I'm thinking, one time he came by my desk and he actually used the F word and to be like, oh, what, what the fuck kind of stands are these? And like, I was that typical mindset where like, oh my God, sorry, I will send you some options. And he walked away. I don't ever want to be in that position again. You know, I, I don't, I had enough of like my parents yelling at me when I was growing up where I was just so scared of like authority figures. Like, mom, I love my mom. And nowadays she doesn't yell at me. I've talked about this before. Um, but growing up, my mom was like very strict with us, right? So I still have this thing where sometimes I'll be doing something and I have this nagging subconscious voice in my head that's like, oh my God, are, am I doing something wrong? Am I going to get yelled at? So that's kind of stuck with me. I have a lot of authority figures yell at me in previous, you know, like like teachers and that kind of stuff and my mom. Um, that's where if I ever are in a situation nowadays, like with a boss and everything, I always have this little voice in my head that thinks, oh my God, like is it, 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 it's, it's, it's my boss uh, angry with me or upset with me in some way, shape or form and I get like little like scared, have that fear. I don't want to be in that position where, like, like with this boss, like, first of all, if you're running a whole fucking company, is your priority really what the iPad stands look like in the conference rooms? Fucking A, no. So at that moment, I was, that, you know, that uh, trauma, if you will, that I had, kind of like where is head, and it was very much like, oh my God, like, I'm sorry, I was sending you some options for like some new stands and blah, blah, blah. Now that I'm, thinking about it or like after, after that interaction where, where I had some time to decompress and I was thinking this guy's just a fucking asshole I one of the reasons I want to be my own boss if I ever am lucky enough to have to be in a position where to hire people I want to treat people the way I want to be treated and with some of these companies that I work for just these co-founders like not to like write on a stereotype but it's, it's always these, like, middle-aged white tech bros that it feels a little bit like a cult. Like, you know, whatever they say, they think it's, like, gold and everyone needs to kind of sort of worship them because they founded this company and they're paying your paycheck. I just don't subscribe to that anymore. So my feelings and attitudes on, you know, the employer-employee relationship is very different. I would love to work for a company where it's not some white do it at the top. You know, I would love to work for a company that, you know, where the CEO or the leadership, you know, it's predominantly not white people, not like some like middle aged old white people. No offense to white people, but like, you know, why can't we have more people that are that look like me that are um, that are people of color? Um, that are leading the uh, company or, you know, running it, operating it. Why don't we have more women? Why don't we have more, you know, uh, people of various backgrounds or people, different cultures that are not just like a, that stereotypical white tech bro person from Silicon Valley. And I think that's one of the reasons why I decided to take 
kind of this career break because I was in tech, I was working for tech startups and, you know, it's always been like these, you know, like middle-aged white people at the top and doesn't mean they're all, I'm not saying all middle-aged white people are bad people, but just my experience is, you know, I want to change. I want to, I want to work for someone who is not some Silicon Valley tech bro. You know, it's not really the, it's not really the best when you get that label. So yeah, that interaction stuck with me. Like, honestly, you're, don't worry about the iPad stands, bitch. Go run the fucking company. And honestly, the company's not even that successful. It's still, it's still going, but it's just like, it, it, no one listens to this podcast. There's 20 of you that listen to this podcast. And if some, if, if for some reason, anyone that I work with at a company heard that story, they will automatically probably already know, oh, they're talking about that company because, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I want to be, I want to be the type of business owner that is the opposite of that. It's like, you want to take vacation to go to a, like a party? Do it. As long as everything's taken care of. You want to go to EDC? Yeah, take a week off. You want to go on a cruise? Go for it. You know, I, I, that's the kind of culture that I want. If I were able to have my own company where I have employees, I, you know, yeah, that, that's what I want. So to have the opportunity to maybe have that with this company that I'm trying to start in the future, in a way, is pretty exciting. So having said that, I am on the job hunt because, hey, I, I just need some money to come in. And again, if I can find a company to work for where, you know, like the leadership is good, uh, the culture is good. Uh, maybe not a tech startup anymore. I still like doing the IT, like the IT work I actually enjoy doing. So yeah, we'll see how that goes. I'm on LinkedIn every day looking for jobs right now. And I just feel like, kind of feel like eventually there will be like a opening or like a job posting that's going to jump out at me. Right now, everything is just very like Blah 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 blah. Every the, every job, every posting for every company for that type of role just looks like pretty much the same. But something tells me eventually I'm gonna land on something good that's worth waiting for. So I'm not sweating it. So yeah, we'll see. All right. Uh, again, if you want to see uh, all the pimples on my face right now, the video version of this podcast is available on my YouTube channel, Just Joey T and also on Spotify. But until next time, bye.